Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1. Are you there? Are you still looking? Some of you still looking? I think we got it. All right, let's begin reading here at verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, elders, and give ear, you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? Just think about that phrase. Think about the day and age that we're living in. Has anything like this happened in your days? Or even in the days of your father, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. What the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are like the teeth of a lion. He has fangs like a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree, stripped away bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn and uh, who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The land mourns. The grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, farmers. Wail, vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up. The fig tree is withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree, also the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered from the sons of men. Oh my goodness. Let's, let's finish this. We couldn't stop right there. That would be heavy, wouldn't it? Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth. You who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God. Cry out to the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Everybody say, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Is not the food cut off from before your eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of God. The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns broken down. The grain has withered. The animals grown. The herds of the cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. Lord, to you I cry out. Fire has devoured the open pastures. Flame has burned the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry out to you. The water books are dried up. Fire has devoured open pastures. Oh my goodness. Pastor Jacob, where in the world are you going with this one? Believe it or not, I think this is going to be a very encouraging message for us. But let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to to speak to us and to help us uh, with this word today. Mighty God, I, I thank you for your word. And God, even even honest and open and maybe even frightening passages like this. But, but Lord, I know that you op- 
offer hope. And God, I'm just asking that as we uh, begin to open this book, Lord, you would speak to us. You'd speak to us about the day and the age that we're in right now. Lord, would you minister a word to our lives that would change us and transform us and help us, mighty God, in in where we're at. Lord, I ask that this morning there would be an anointing upon me that I would preach with authority as I ought to, mighty God, with clarity of mind and, and, and Lord, a sharpness of spirit. And God, I pray that there would be an anointing upon every person within the sound of my voice. Lord, that you would minister to our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking today. I bind the works of the enemy. He who would seek to disrupt uh, disrupt or uproot or confuse the word as it comes forward, Lord, give us liberty in receiving your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Has anything like this happened in your days? How many of you would say that uh, what we're seeing in the world today with this, uh, with, with COVID, uh, so many, so many different areas we could go. I mean, you, you look at the racial tensions. You look at uh, the number of hurricanes that are hitting. You look at the uh, the natural disasters, fires that are striking. Did you know? I, I saw this wild article this last week about how there were a record number of lightning strikes all across California that have started a huge number of these fires. Uh, one crazy thing. In fact, you you do this sometime. I was looking just in in research for this, I actually just did a search for plague of locusts. And if you just search those three words in Google, uh, the, the wildest picture comes up. It's the very first thing that you'll see plague of locusts. And it's this, it's this cloud of bugs. I mean, they look like grasshoppers kind of, it's this cloud of bugs, and it's dated 2020. Is that any wonder that we would also, in addition to murder hornets, we have locusts? Did you know there's areas of Africa right now that are absolutely being ravished by literally plagues of locusts like the Bible? And I mean, so thick these bugs come that it literally darkens the sun. This is going on today, right now. Maybe take down the game just a touch in this. And so uh, I get to shouting, and and I don't want to blow up our speaker, praise God. So um, the day of the Lord, you'll notice that the book of Joel, there is a theme, and you'll see this repeated all throughout the book. Everybody say, the day of the Lord. This is a phrase that's used often all throughout the Bible. The day of the Lord is when God chooses to reveal his character, his power, his grace, his holiness, his judgment. And what's wild is just in the book of Joel, pay attention to what I'm saying right here because this will help us with the entire message. You might say, man, that's a lot of gloom and doom. That's some heavy stuff that we were covering there. But you'll notice that the day of the Lord just in the book of Joel at different times describes earthquakes, violent weather, darkness, economic upheaval, and even terrible destruction as a judgment that is allowed from God. But you'll also see that the day of the Lord also describes, beginning in chapter 2, the outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit. The day of the Lord describes growth in prophecy, dreams, vision, restoration, hope, and even restoring what the enemy has taken away. In fact, the the famous sermon that the Apostle Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out, he preaches out of Joel chapter 2. What we see and what we're experiencing right now is what the prophet Joel prophesied. The day of the Lord. This can, and, and this is what's sobering, and this is, uh, is going to help us today. There are a lot of things that are going on in the world today. And you can take whatever theological position you would like. You can say, oh, this is all the devil. Oh, this is God. This is God doing it. This is God allowing it. But here's what I know. You can look at a book like Joel. And you can see all kinds of terrors breaking out upon the earth. And it can be something that either ends up ravishing our lives, absolutely destroying, bringing bringing pain, bringing difficulty, bringing poverty, ultimately bringing death. Or it can be that which moves us into a realm of God's glory. It can be that which moves us into the place where we experience an unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You understand that what we are experiencing right now, it's sobering. And you can see this on, uh, from a firsthand perspective. How many of you, even as we observe the world around us, we're watching certain people go out of business We're watching individuals sink into such deep depression, addiction. They lose their lives. We're watching marriages fall apart. We're watching watching all of these tensions just compound and amplify. At the same time, we're watching certain ministries and churches absolutely exploding. We're watching certain businesses. Their business is just going off the chart. How is it that there seems to be unparalleled judgment, and yet at the same time there's unparalleled blessing like we've never seen before? I want to tell you, I love studying the end times, and that's not even what my message is about today, but, but a lot of people assume that, boy, as, as the devil has his way, as the Antichrist, as what the Bible calls the harlot Babylon, as these things continue to grow and increase in this last day, it's just going to get more wicked and evil and dark, and people are going to fall away. And, and that's true. But a lot of people think that, Evil is going to abound. Wickedness is going to increase, which the Bible says that it will. And at the same time, goodness is going to decrease. But that's not true. What you're actually going to see is all of these people who kind of live in the middle. I love Jesus, but I I love the world. You know, Uh, these guys who want to have one foot in and one foot out. You're going to notice that that begins to fade away. You notice how even today the extremes are, 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 are just being more expressed as time goes on it's like boy you can't walk in the middle so easily now it's like you're either gonna you're either gonna be about God and his business or you're gonna be about the world and in 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 their business am I communicating does that I, I feel like I maybe didn't say that part clearly but what I believe is going to happen 
is you see the Bible talk about increased wickedness and increased evil, but at the same time, you also see unprecedented revival. You see the greatest harvest of souls that mankind has ever known. You see greater expressions of God's provision. And here is the entire premise of what I'm going to do this week and for the next two weeks. It's as if there is a line that has been drawn in the sand. You guys understand this picture. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, are you for me or are you against me? You got to choose a side. No more of the indecisive, well, I'm just going to try and be friends with everybody. There comes a moment for each and every one of us. We need to choose, are we in this thing or are we not? Are we going to side on, on, on God's blessing and his prosperity and his provision and his goodness and all of these kingdom attributes or are we going to choose to let the things that happen be judgment upon our life? Are we going to suffer loss? Is it going to cost us our life and possibly our soul for eternity? These are Huge questions. Now, to, to give you kind of an overview, and I want you to begin to read. I, if you follow us on social media, you saw we had thrown out there, hey, read the book of Joel, read Joel chapter 1. But to give you, there is a, in chapter 1 just an overview. This is a literal situation that was happening in, the, in, in Joel's time. Joel was a prophet. Uh, Joel, most believe, was just a common working man. He wasn't a Levite. He wasn't a minister. Uh, he wasn't a priest like many of the prophets were. A lot of people believe that he was of the tribe of Reuben, um, which doesn't matter much except most of the prophets that we read about were church leaders. They were Levites. And so Joel was kind of an unusual one. He, had, he, he was involved in the, in, as, a, as a general working man, but obviously had clear prophetic insight and he was speaking about things that were going on literally in his day there was really oppressing armies that were coming and attacking them there really was a plague of locusts that had come and consumed nearly everything in the land so he's talking about a real life situation in chapter 2 you'll notice is where it begins to go into this prophetic where God begins to say hey these things are going on but this is just a picture this is just symbolic. This is just, it's a, living, it's, a, it's a living sign and wonder, if you will, about what I am going to do in the future. Chapter 2 is where we get this prophecy about not only the former rain, but the latter rain being poured out. This great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, increase in prophecy and vision and all of this goodness. In fact, one of my favorite verses I clung to early in my walk with, the, with God was that God would one day restore all the things that the locust had eaten. That's a promise, not only for these guys in that day, but even for us today. That that which the enemy has taken from your life, the Lord will restore. And so, so there was this picture, here's what's going on today. Chapter 2 is, here's what I'm going to do. In chapter 3, I love is kind of this assurance of, of God, I, I'm going to be with you. No matter what, things are hard. There's a glory coming, and whether we're in judgment or whether we're in blessing, listen, I'm going to be with you if you'll allow me to walk with you. So, it's very important. So, we're going to look at this. Now, one of the things that I want you, this, is, this hit me like a ton of bricks as I was studying this this last week. You'll notice that Joel details in chapter 1 the effects of the plague. He talks about in verses 5 through 7 how 
Those who, uh, he says, wake up, you drunks who have no wine. Now, he mentions wine and he mentions new wine. It's two different Hebrew words there. Wine is wine. Uh, new wine is grape juice. But here's, here's what I want you to understand about this is, uh, is, is that was speaking about luxuries of the day. Everybody say luxuries. Luxuries had been taken because of what had transpired in the land. In verses 8 and 10, he mentions how priests now have no offerings to bring to the Lord. The priests were hindered in their ministry to the Lord. So it affected worship. Everybody say worship. Worship. It's a big deal. They weren't able to worship the Lord the way that they needed because they literally did not have the offerings that had been consumed by the swarm of locusts. And then the third area that was affected is you'll see the farmers who had planted, they'd cared for, they'd reaped. They now had nothing to show for their season of work. I want you to say essentials. There's three areas that were attacked during this plague that came upon uh, uh, Israel in Joel's day. There were luxuries that were taken away. Worship was affected and hindered in the essentials of life. We don't have food. We don't have the basic needs for our life is at risk. We could starve and die. These were the three areas that were affected in his day. Now, To bring a modern application, I want you to think about what's transpired over the course of this year. When we saw COVID break out, you'll notice that the very first thing that we lost... In fact, I remember as we were watching the news, I mean, it's it's, uh, February, March... And towards the end of March is when things began to shut down. And, And what really concerned me was when I saw that they were shutting down Disneyland... And they were shutting down sports, organized sports. I think uh, because I'm, uh, my, me and my family were hockey fans. We like to uh, play hockey. We, uh, uh, in fact, we started a church hockey team called the Demon Hunters. And uh, I played forward. It was pretty good. Never got in any fights because I had guys who were willing to fight for me. That's... Uh, but my son, he plays too. He played ice hockey uh, and played uh, uh, actually on the Dallas Stars uh, rookies. And they've got this whole path that if, you can, if you're good enough, will it actually take you all the way to the NHL. But I remember the day that we saw that they were canceling. They were actually getting ready for the playoffs, and they actually canceled uh, the entire – they postponed the entire season. Now it came back. But you notice that theaters shut down. I saw an article just the other day about how so many of our studios, Hollywood studios, are at risk of bankruptcy right now because theaters shut down, movie production shut down, television production shut down. All of these luxuries were shut down. Restaurants, nail salons, spas. Hotels. You guys, I mean, now right now we're just coming to the point where some of these things are opening. But you'll notice that all of our luxuries have been affected just as it was in the day of Joel. The second thing was worship. Worship. And you watch, man, worship is still in question right now. 
You watch guys like, like MacArthur in this battle with the California governor, man, and they're going back and forth over the legality. Can you shut this down? Can you mandate this? I saw rabbinical Jews were saying, no, this is against our religion, and it was denied them the ability to worship in the way that they saw fit. We're watching religious freedoms being oppressed and suppressed. No, you can't preach. No, you can't sing. No, you can't whatever. There's ch- and it's still going on right now. We watch in certain things like life essentials. Now, we've watched the unemployment rates are huge. Basic needs like toilet paper. Praise God. Did you guys, did that hit the big island? We were stuck on Maui by that time. Did you guys run out of toilet paper? Praise God. You know, you look and uh, maybe that's not a life essential. I think it's a life essential personally. But you look in entire shelves are empty at stores still today. My wife went to Ross yesterday. She's had people kind of clue her in like, oh, these are the days that they restock. But it's been reduced, right? It's been reduced. We don't get the, the, the produce. I mean, we're, it's like even some of the things that we get. Life essentials have been challenged. People have lost their jobs and people have taken their lives because their jobs aren't coming back. It's a grievous thing. And we see the very three areas that were struck in Joel's day are the same three areas that have been struck because of this COVID crisis. I want you to consider. And so we look at this, and and I'm telling you, there is a line in the sand. Because there are people who are suffering a terrible, terrible loss right now. Some maybe in this room. But there are others, and I don't say this with, an air, uh, with a, an air of arrogance or to be braggadocious in any way, shape, or form. But during this time, did you know my wife and I have eradicated all debt in our life? During this time, God opened the door for us to be able to purchase this property, which is mind-boggling. Who gets a loan during this time? We did. We found a Christian institution who is willing to run with us and believe that this could become a great church. I'm telling you, who who sees a church grow? Many churches have closed their doors during this time. How is it? I mean, look at this room right now. Tuesday night, it looks just the same as this. How is it that our church is growing during this time? I'm telling you, there's a line in the sand. This is a day in a time where some are going to suffer loss even to the point of death. And there are others who are going to step into unprecedented blessing and favor from God. They're both happening. They're both happening. Which side of the line do you want to be on? Now, I think that's a pretty simple question. Do you guys ever watch the the movie Hook? I I just remember when, was it, who was it, Rufio or... Or Robin Hood, who drew the line in the sand, and it was, do you believe in, is this corny? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> do you believe that I'm the pan? And, uh, you know, and these guys went back and forth, whether they were going to be with Rufio or whether they were going to be, but they all ended up coming on the side of pan in the end. Hallelujah. Happy ending. <laughs> but this is how it is. Are we going to stand with the Lord in this time, or are we going to, you know, I'm just going to fight my own battles. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm just going to live my own way during this time. Now, what I want to show you is 
This, this week, we're going to look at how they actually responded. What were they instructed to do, and what did that do for them? Next week, we're going to look at how we can actually begin to break into some of these revival promises, some of this outpouring, some of the blessings. And, uh, uh, but this is going to help us a lot. So there's, there's three things that I want you to, to take note of uh, as we look at this. The day of the Lord. How can we see the day of the Lord be a day of blessing as opposed to a day of judgment? It's a good question, huh? How can we see? Well, the first thing that they were instructed to do was repent. Everybody say repent. You'll notice that he's instructed in verse 8. He says, take on sackcloth and ashes. He says, the the prophet says, to lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth. Now you just imagine, you get this picture of a virgin who has come on her wedding day. And she's ready to be married. And, uh, and anybody who's been through this, uh, uh, you, you know that a, that a bride on her wedding day is one of the most beautiful things that you could ever witness. The dress has been prepared, the hair, the makeup, the veil, the perfume. I mean, usually every detail has been tended to. And it's a, it's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of, 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 of joy and, and glory. In fact, I, I, we had a friend. I was actually supposed to do their wedding. And, uh, but, again, COVID prevented that. I wasn't able to leave the state and do, perform their, their wedding ceremony. But you just look, and, uh, and here comes the bride. Beautiful. And you look in the husband, he's just, he's standing there at the altar just crying like a little baby. I mean, I, I had to laugh a little bit because even by the time they're exchanging the vows, his eyes are all puffy and red. He's still crying so bad. And, but it's just something about a bride. It's just, wow, it's incredible. It's glorious. It's, it's beautiful. But here, Joel is giving the instruction. I want you to take off the wedding gown. And I want you to clothe yourself in sackcloth. Now, this is a very clear picture. In fact, Jesus gave a very similar picture in Matthew chapter 11 and Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 7. He was actually talking to the Pharisees and he's like, you guys don't want to participate in anything. He's like, whether we're having a celebration, you don't participate in that. Or if there's mourning and grieving and repentance, you don't want to participate in that either. And this is the way that he, that he illustrated it. He said, it's like children in a marketplace. He said, there's, there's moments where we pray, play the wedding song and kids dance. We get excited when there's a wedding going on. We dance and we celebrate. And Jesus was saying that's what his ministry looked like. You understand, Jesus' ministry was a time of celebration. It was party and it's miracles. It was awesome. It was food. It was abundance. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. But then he, ref- he says, but you Pharisees, you guys don't want to be a part of that. But then he makes another comparison. He says, these kids also, if there was a funeral dirge being played and there was this funeral procession coming through, you didn't grieve the way that they grieved. And he was referencing the ministry of John the Baptist. John, before Jesus came, with a ministry of repentance. He was clothed in sackcloth. And he preached this message of repentance. It's a mournful. We need to get right with God. We need to prepare our hearts before Jesus is to come in. But they didn't want to participate in that either. 
And so I want you to understand there are moments, and guys, there's going to be moments of celebration. In fact, I, I know I'm coming with the first part of this message, and it can be heavy at moments. But I feel like I'm in a season of celebration. I feel like put on your wedding dress, let's have a party. Praise God. But there are moments for all of us, and today we need to check ourselves and see, is there repentance that needs to transpire? Do we need to clothe ourselves in sackcloth? In fact, I told my wife that I wanted her to make me a sackcloth sash, but she didn't do it. I was going to preach it. No, I wasn't going to preach in it. Instead, I, I noticed looking in the mirror right as I was going out, I looked like a Jehovah's Witness. But uh, the sackcloth probably would have been better, huh? Um, sackcloth. With sackcloth, you'll see sackcloth. Do you guys want to know about sackcloth? Nobody does. Okay, let's go on. So I've got a teaching on it, but that's fine. We'll just, here's, let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance means to, we've always heard it said to turn around. Have you heard this? Repentance is the turn around. And I don't disagree with that. You're, you're, you're going the way of the world. And you know what? I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to turn around. That literally is what repent. I'm going to, I'm going to turn. I'm going to change. And I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to move towards the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, if you decide to come out of the world and begin to walk after Jesus, there's going to be some major areas of your life that need to turn. Your direction, your intentions, the things that you were passionate about may need to be laid down and may need to not be picked up again. You understand? There's a turning around. But repentance is more than that. Repentance requires a change of mind. Everybody say change of mind. Like I've, I've heard people say things like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this. Whatever, you know, you just fill in the blank with whatever sin you want. I'm going to go do this and then I'll just repent later. That's not repentance because already your mind isn't resolved on the matter. Repentance, I tell you, where I went back and forth for so many years in the area of drug use, in particular smoking marijuana, Pacalolo. I used to struggle bad with that. And you want to know the reason why? I'd have a preacher scream at me, it's wrong, it's sin, it's illegal. But in my mind, I had not made that resolution. I had all kinds of weird ideas. No, there's health benefits. I'm not going to get glaucoma. I'm just enjoying the herb of the Lord, you know, and I just, the herbs of the field. And I, and I had these ideas in my mind, but it wasn't until truly there was a theologian who came along and they, they began to teach me. You know, when the Bible lists all of these, in fact, it's in Galatians 5, it's in, it's in 1 Corinthians 6, there's a number of places where a Greek word used, and most of the time it's rendered sorcery. But very interesting, there's witchcraft and there's sorcery. Now, in our minds, that's pretty much the same thing. But in their day, sorcery was when they would engage in substances that would literally alter the state of their mind open them to, to spiritual experiences. I mean, that was the ultimate goal. That Greek word is the Greek word pharmacia, where we get pharmaceuticals from today. Now, as soon as I heard that, I'm just like, oh, dang. And I began to understand, man, what I do, I mean, I had some of the weirdest most frightening spiritual encounters that I had when I was abusing illegal substances. I'm telling you. 
And, and it was weird to me, but as I've grown in my walk with the Lord, you know what I realize? I was blowing doors wide open for the devil straight up to come, to harass, to show, to influence. Sorcery. And where I truly found freedom was when not only did I change my actions, who I was hanging around with, the things, but I had to determine in my mind. Let me think about this. This is, this is wrong and this is why. Do you understand what I'm saying? Repentance requires a change of mind. Repentance also, I, I just mentioned, requires a change of action. We need to do something different. Act a different way. Don't, don't, just, don't just stop and like sit, okay? Don't just stop and do nothing. you, you got to fill that gap. It's one of the main principles. Jesus taught it. I, I go into great detail in my book, Dealing with Darkness. When, a, when an influencing spirit goes out of a person, out of, a, out of a, a, a habitation, it's our job to make sure that gets filled up again. It's wonderful. Man, you can, you can choose. I'm going to abstain from drugs and alcohol and sex and, 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 and greed. And you, know, you can cut all these things out of your life. But if you don't fill that gap, you're going to sit around. You know, the Bible even says that idleness is the devil's workshop. It's the devil's playground. He can come and he'll jack with you. If all you do is just, I'm just going to sit around and do nothing instead of all the partying. You're going to find a different kind of trouble. So you got to feel. You have to change your actions. Repentance is a change of heart. Everybody say change of heart. Judas, you'll notice Judas, he felt remorse over his betrayal of Christ, but he never repented. He never repented. I don't know if it was possible for him to. That's a different study. It would be fun to talk about. But, uh, but he felt feeling sorry because you got caught is not repentance, you understand. But finding a place truly within the depth of your heart where you say, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I grieve you with my actions. I'm, I'm sorry that I hurt other people with my actions. Lord, I don't want my soul to be cost. Uh, I don't want to lose my soul because of, of the things that I'm saying that I'm doing. There's a, there's a place in our heart that must transform. And I'll tell you, Ezekiel, he gave this wonderful prophecy about how one day, if we would allow, God would come and he would take our heart of stone and he would give us a heart of flesh. Some of you might say, I, I don't feel repentance. You ask the Lord to help you. You ask the Lord to come and to give you a new heart. And I believe that he will if we do so with, a, with genuine intention. So repentance, if we're going to repent, it means to turn around. It means to change our mind. It means to change our actions. It means to change our heart. It's not just an outward expression you understand. Not just an outward expression. In fact, in chapter 2 of Joel, he says, rend your heart, not your garment. That's where I change my mind about the sackcloth. Because you know what? I'm just telling you guys, going through a religious ritual well, I'm going to put on sackcloth because that's repentance. No. If your heart, if your actions, if your mind doesn't change, you can wear sackcloth all day long. It doesn't mean anything. He says, rend your heart, not your garment. The second thing he instructs in this day, he says, call a fast. Everybody say fast. It's very important. He says, consecrate a 
fast. Now, what I love about this is the biblical fasting, what these guys would do is they would actually come into the place of worship. They would set up a carpet and they would spend the entire day in prayer, the word in worship. These guys didn't like, you know, well, I'm going to sacrifice. I've heard some of the goofiest fasts over and, and, and so I, I, like they, they said, I'm, I'm going to do a communion fast. I'm only going to eat bread and grape juice. Like, what? Or you have people, I don't know. Never mind. I'm going to hurt somebody's feeling because that's the fast I do. No. So, but what they would do is they would dedicate. And I'm, I, I just, I have this thought. This is just a thought. I wonder what it would be like if, if we did fasting the way that these guys did, where we open up the church, for example, and we've been to nations where they've, where I've seen this done. I remember in Haiti, there were just people like just a dozens of people in a church. They were sitting on carpets and they weren't doing anything. And I'm just, what are they doing? And I, and they said every Tuesday they come together for fasting and prayer. And that's how they would fast. It's not that they're going and they're working and not eating and not praying. No, they actually go into the house of God. They set up a little area for themselves. They have their Bible. They don't eat, but they pray, they worship, and they get in the Word. And I wonder sometimes if taking one day to do that, you'd probably spend more time actually praying and seeking the Lord than if you took 21 days, you go about your regular business, but you, you, you squeeze in 30 minutes or an hour to pray. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, okay? You understand what I'm saying? We should do that, though. Sometime. But they called, uh, well, I don't want to throw out a date there or something, but, uh, but really, I, I really think we ought to do that sometime. We just get worship and prayer and uh you know it's not going to be deeply organized because you're going to come and you're just going to set up in the corner and we're going to see maybe when we get in our new space we'll do because uh, then we'll actually uh, here we'd all be sitting on top of each other if we well the consecrate a fast they they began to fast they began to pray and you understand the biggest thing about uh, about fasting is it's really to check yourselves. It's this purifying thing. You ever notice that if you've gone into to fasting, one of the first things that happens physically in your body is uh, you begin to, to get rid of impurities that are in your body. You get zits. Hallelujah. I mean, nasty. But there's, there's trash in your body that literally begins to be pushed out. And if you've ever gone on an extended fast, once you get past about day three of not eating, you'll notice you get this huge burst of energy. I mean, this, just this strength as your body literally is purifying itself. In fact, even science today, they talk about, I mean, not spiritually related at all, but they'll talk about going on cleanses and all this kind of stuff, intermittent fasting. I mean, people are now discovering the benefits of what the Bible has been teaching us for thousands of years. Very incredible. Most of the reason I believe that we consecrate a fast, now you can do this on your own. It's about, it's about really setting new priorities in our life. You understand, you can go on and on and on. You just, you deprive yourself of food for a time. And you realize how wonderful food can actually be. And how abusive it can be. Just brings things into perspective. So he consecrated a fast. Now, here's the last thing I want to talk about this morning, and, and, and we'll end our time together. 
The last thing that he did is, so I, I, I had you write down, what was the first one? Repent. And what was the second one? Yeah, fast. And then here's the, la- uh, the third one, call. Everybody say call. Now, here's what's interesting. In verse 14, this is what it says. It says, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord. Now, this is serious. So in his day, they were dealing with this plague that had, that had touched the entire land. And what, what he was doing is he's saying, now listen, we need to respond. We need to repent if there's sin in our life. We need to fast and check our priorities, get some things in order. But the last part is, he's like, guys, we can't do this alone. And so he said, call, first of all, you'll notice he begins with the church. He begins with the church. And you know, we can get upset with Republicans or Democrats, Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump. We can get upset about all of these things. Oh, it's, oh, it's this group. Oh, it's that group. We can get concerned about one issue or another and point fingers. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, repentance, change, transformation, reformation, these things are going to begin in the house of God. It's going to begin with the people of God. When we decide, I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to check my heart. If I've got sin, I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek the Lord. And I am going to, we're going to, we're going to gather people together for this purpose. We're going to see change and transformation. We're going to see the kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Because what we see around us, this is not heaven on earth. And the reason that we're here is to be kingdom ambassadors to see heaven released on the earth. It begins with the church. But then you'll notice the second thing he says, he says, call for the elders. Gather the elders. You know what that is? It's not talking about like church elders. That's talking about community leaders. Because you'll see in this chapter, they literally go out to the wall, which is where the influencers, the gates where the influencers and the leaders of the community would sit and govern. And so what he said is call for the leaders, call for the elders. And, and, and I'm telling you, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray. Because, listen, King's Kona is a church that will accept everybody. I'm just telling you. I, I don't care if you're homeless I don't care if you've got drug issues, if you're an adulterer, if you're a homosexual. I don't care. I don't care what your background, lifestyle, skin color, income is. You're welcome at this church. But I am intentionally praying, God, bring us business leaders. Bring us, bring us leaders in the community. Bring us governmental leaders. Bring us influencers into into the house of God because that's where they were instructed to begin. And if you look even at the history of Hawaii and how Christianity began to break out here, uh, I just found out earlier this week actually that Henry Obakaya or Opuka'aia People don't know his real name. If you look him up, uh, uh, they, they, they call him Obakaya. But anyway, he was the first, most believed, the first Christian convert. Ended up going blind and became what many called blind Bartimaeus. Was a tremendous evangelist uh, for the Lord. Hawaiian, saved. Because of his life and ministry, many other missionaries found an open door to come here. However, the influence was not so 
great. Until Queen Ka'ahumanu came to repentance, she was the one who had actually broke the kapu system, had renounced the Hawaiian religion, and then ended up, and that was before Christians even came. It's the only time in history that that's ever happened where a people have actually renounced a religious system before embracing another one. But she had broke that system, and what happened is the missionaries came, and there was this vacuum that the Lord was ready to fill. It began sweeping revival, and what happened is when the queen gave her life to Jesus, she gets water baptized. All of a sudden, many of the ruling chiefs from all across the islands also began giving their lives to the Lord. Then all of the people began coming, and this is where we saw this tremendous sweeping revival, which we're now celebrating 200-year anniversary of. They began, and it was the same thing that Joel, begin with the house of God. Make sure the people of God are on board. Then go for the leaders, go for the community leaders, go for the influencers, go after these individuals. And then he says, then all the inhabitants of the land come to the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, there's a call that is going to come. And I'm issuing a call today to the church. Let's get serious about seeing a move of God. Let's get serious about seeing heaven come to earth. Let's get serious. Because here, here's what's at stake, you understand. When you begin to understand there's a line in the sand and that people all around us are either going to continue to progress into judgment ultimately to the point of eternal judgment or they could see the day of the Lord be, bring the most glorious blessing and prosperity and favor and increase ultimately leading to, to heaven for all eternity. People out there need to make a choice there's a line that's been drawn in the sand and it's our job to call people and say hey I know how you can cross the line I know how God can take a terrible situation and work it for good if you'll learn to love him and walk according to his call and purpose that's our job it begins here we pray for the leaders and we go after the leaders and then we go to all the inhabitants of the land. Now, here's, here's where we're going to end. Minister Ryland, would you come on the piano here? And we're going to close, and we're going we're gonna to have a moment to give a, get, get right with God if we need to, because you, know you know what I love in this is in, in the book of Joel. You understand, Joel is not the one to blame for, the, for this terrible day that has come upon them. Joel's, it's not Joel's fault. You know that. But you'll see in verse 19, Lord, to you I cry out. This is why when we pray for God to end abortion, I will repent for the shedding of innocent blood. I've never committed an abortion. I've never influenced anybody to have an abortion. But even as the prophet did on this occasion, he stood representing his people, his nation, and says, God, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I'm sorry. And we need to examine, because right now I'm just telling you, we live in such a toxic day. It's this group's fault. It's that group's fault. It's this party. It's that party. 
How about we pause for a moment and say, God, yeah, there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of sin. Some of it celebrated so openly. Some of it endorsed even within the church. But Lord, I will stand and say, I'm sorry. I repent. I'll turn away. And I'm going to call people to come along with us. As I close, I, I share one of the most stirring passages in all of Scripture to me. It's this scene where Jesus was getting ready to be crucified and he was sitting with his disciples what we call the Last Supper. And as he's sitting there at the table, he looks around and he says, truly I say, one of you in this room is going to betray me. Those are heavy words. These are the, the disciples of Jesus. You imagine if I, if I said something like that here today, I know that one of you is getting ready to betray me, even to the point of death. If that happened today, I think most of us would probably begin looking around the room and it's probably Peter. He's, he's pretty brash. He's, he's pretty prone to his emotions, yeah. No, I, I, bet it's, I bet it's this one over here. I bet it's that guy. Do you remember what they said? The Bible says every one of them looked at Jesus in turn and said, Lord, is it me? Oh, that, that stirs me. That stirs me. God, I see this breaking out. and We could say it's because of this sin or that or this hour or this day. God, am I responsible? God, is it me? This is where we pray. This is what fasting exposes, I'm telling you. God, if there's any compromise, if there's any, any way in me that grieves you, I'm sorry, Lord. Speak to me. Convict me. And get it out of me, Lord. I'll turn away. I'll, I'll repent. I'll cut it out. asking of all of us, I'm telling you. It begins in the house of God. How can we expect the world to repent of their sin when the church can't even figure it out? This is where we're, we're going to issue the call. I'll be the first one to pray. I want you to stand all across this room right now. Next week is going to be a week of celebration. I'm just telling you. We're going to talk about how we can move into revival, but we cannot skip this. We cannot miss this. And this is going to be something that's ongoing. One thing I've learned in my years is I've watched people come to an altar. They cry and, and they think, wow, I, I, I did it. And they go on with their life business as usual. I want to challenge you this week to begin to examine what would a lifestyle of repentance look like? What would frequent fasting look like? 
different seasons of my life, I've decided on the first of every month that I'm going to begin a fast. I haven't been doing that lately. I may go back to that very soon. Every month, begin a fast and continue it as long as I feel like the Lord would have me do that. We need to begin to examine what would a lifestyle of repentance, what would a lifestyle of fasting, what would a lifestyle of calling people to to honor and serve the Lord in this way, what would that look like? What needs to change in us? With every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone praying. You know, I, I feel like even today, I'm normally I lead us in a prayer, but I feel like today I need to open the opportunity for you to speak to the Lord on your own terms, on, on in your own way. You may have things that you know, even as I share this, I know I've got things that I need to repent of. Maybe you're here today and you're right with the Lord, but you say, you know what, I am burdened for abortion. I am I am burdened over the slander of this nation. I am burdened over uh, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. It may not be something personal, but maybe as Joel did, you'll stand and say, you know what, Lord, I will repent of what's gone on in this nation. I'll repent of what's gone on in this land, maybe in this island or even in this city. Let's be honest with the Lord and let's, let's speak to Him today right now. Come on, whatever's on your heart, let's just begin to talk with Jesus right now. Lord, I, I, I just come before you, me and this, this assembly. God, we're asking that you would stir our hearts, mighty God. Lord, some of us here today, we might have hard hearts, stony hearts, but even your word said that, that there would be a time where you would take our heart of stone and you would give us a heart of flesh, a moldable heart, a heart that, that you can speak and you can move. And God, I'm asking that you would do that for each and every one of us here today that we would be so sensitive to what you're speaking in this day and hour that we would be sensitive mighty God to to the correction to the instruction to the to the leading of your holy spirit in this day and in this hour God I'm asking that you would that you would move us what must we repent of Lord even as the disciples they said Lord is it is it me is there guilt in me and so Lord I I just say I'm sorry, God, for the ways that the, the things that even I have done, said, thought, acted upon, God, that grieve, that break your heart. I'm asking that you would forgive, that you would wash, that you would cleanse, and you would make all things new, mighty God. I stand, mighty God, knowing that the, the list of sins that our nation, Lord, even that our state, Lord, even here, right here in this city, even in this very room, God, there are there, there's more than could be named. But God, I stand as an ambassador on behalf of your kingdom, mighty God, saying, repent of sin. Sorry, mighty God. We ask you to speak, mighty God. Even in this room, I ask that you would raise up intercessors, that you would raise up those like the prophet Joel, that mighty God, we may or may not be in religious work, but God, you're raising up prophets. You're raising up intercessors. You're raising up prayer warriors, mighty God, in this day, in this hour. And Lord, I ask that when you wake us up, find us faithful to pray, to seek you, to intercede, mighty God. Would you lead us and would you direct us in all that we say and do, Lord? Give us a new heart. Change us, mighty God. Oh, we thank you for it, mighty God. 
torture. Leah, would you come? I just feel like we need to worship the Lord for a moment. Come on, let's sing this song together. Hallelujah. like that word but his plan is revival in this last day hallelujah well can I speak a blessing over each and every one of you why don't you lift your hands and let me speak this today I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as Abraham was blessed in every way may God bless you in every detail of your life as God blessed Jacob changing his name to Israel may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do when you're tempted and tried may you come forth victoriously even as Job resulting in twice as much as you had before as you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. May they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. 
May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and coming in. May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.